Go Go Gidget is one of our best episode titles. Yeah. I like Go Go Gidget and Harper's Bazaar, I think yeah. are Yeah, are, Harper's Bazaar is so funny. Those are those are S tier, I feel like. <laughs> we should that could be a bonus episode ranking our own <laughs> podcast names. We go behind the scenes on our own podcast that seven people listen to. Oh yeah. And we uh, love you. Our seven angels. Mm-hmm. California. Keeping up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast. Hello and welcome back to Keeping Up with the Coens, an OC rewatch podcast, as you just heard in that intro, which we have licensed that music by Phantom Planet, by the way. We are hemorrhaging money getting uh, the license fees for that, for that song. Uh, my name is Ryan Drake, coming to you all the way from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I do not do this alone. I do this with my friends. Um, one of them is great, and one of them makes me hate myself. The one that's great is, of course, coming to us from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Her name is Chelsea Trinidad. Hello, Chelsea. Welcome back. Hi, guys. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, it's it, Today was kind of awesome. It's been really rainy and cold, yeah. and I turned on my fireplace for the first time. But you got your what replaced? Uh, I, no, I turned on my fireplace today oh. for the first time. <laughs> For a second, I thought you said I got my SSRI replaced. Wow. Oh. I was like, interesting. I mean, that's something that happens to me sometimes, too. Also here, despite my best efforts, I think I said that before. Yeah, baby. Uh, he j- just can't get rid of him. He, mm-hmm. he grows back like a, what's the lizard's tail? Whatever whatever lizard that is. An iguana? An iguana's tail. Dylan Heck Irwin. Yeah. Also I, uh, in my city. Hello, Dylan. So, hey, how are you doing? I, I also, I'm a really big fan of this weather too, Chelsea. It's, uh, I've been calling it Twin Peaks weather all day. The show, yes. not the uh, amazing restaurant. But I don't have a fireplace, so I actually just set a whole bunch of clothes on fire in my living room and scared the dog because the fire alarm went off. But I, uh, I'm excited to be here. I got to tell you all, I, I, mm-hmm. it's on my mind, and so I just got to say it right now. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with Midnight Mass, that new Netflix oh show. My God. I watched oh. the entire series twice this weekend in 48 hours. You told us this on last week's episode, which we recorded two days ago. Wait, I did? Yes, you brought it up at the end of the show. I'm still obsessed with it, man. I'm all well, over it. You gotta watch it. what happens when we record twice in a week, because Dylan <laughs> doesn't have anything new to talk about. I haven't left my room. I've just been sitting here <laughs> waiting for the next episode. Like waiting to tell more people about Midnight Mass. No, Dylan, never, been... Dylan never stopped recording the last episode. He's going to send me I've... one giant 48-hour long it's... file. It's like a Flaming Lips concept album. You have to play one track straight away and the other track in reverse. I would like to point out, I'm in my normal outfit, which is like a tie-dyed sweatsuit, but Dylan is in a suit today. Mm -hmm. So fancy. (laughs) It's because he lit all his other clothes on fire in the living room. Yeah, they're all all gone. Like that really, really awkward, didn't age well scene in the first Ace Ventura where he just burns all his clothes. No, I'm actually wearing jeans. Um, Mm -hmm. I look more like Rick Perry um, than Leo DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street, so... Um, this is actually how I survived COVID is I just did the upper, you know, the, the, the dress mullet, the reverse dress mullet. Is it you mm-hmm. made sure people didn't want to come close to you? Yeah. Don't stand yeah. so close to me is, mm-hmm. is my favorite sting song or police mm-hmm. song about the pandemic. Well, we are here to, uh, ignore whatever Dylan just said and also discuss <laughs> two more episodes of this, of this season, season three. I hate it. Of the OC. Um, it's gotten weirder, but I think better since Johnny died. Um, last week we were still kind of in that post Johnny Halo glow, but uh, 
Post- we've come back down to earth a little bit, but still, I feels like we're in a different. <laughs> it feels like we're, we've moved forward. It's a little different. Um, I'm enjoying life after Johnny. Well, some of the kookiness that we all love about four, I feel like they're tapping into a little bit here. So that's fun. Big time. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially the Seth Summer Taylor tantric sex stuff had a big season I love four that yeah, so much. That was a good that was like my favorite storyline probably of these last few episodes. We can just talk about that for an hour and a half. Yeah, I'm fine let's with do that. It, well, so it well, we have Chelsea still Chelsea has to recap the last week's episode because she has to do that every week, we decided, right? So she's <laughs> gonna be doing the heavy lifting one more time. Episode fifteen. Chelsea's doing the heavy lifting, um, so we'll get to that. She's, you know, week two, give her some slack. Um, But speaking of the heavy lifting, Chelsea, I I remember a couple weeks ago I said I was going to introduce a new segment about corrections, um, (laughs) and then I didn't, and then I just did it once because I got off my editing schedule, and and I just edit them whenever I want now. But since I did already edit the episode we recorded two days ago, um, I was very, first of all, first of all, I just want to say that Dylan is very much the beta in the situation because anytime I would disagree with you, Dylan would just hop on my side without even, I think, considering it. So <laughs> great job, Dylan. Hey, um, but no, betas we, get taken care of. That's right. <laughs> betas survive. Um, <laughs> no, but we talked last week about, uh, or I guess for us, it was two days ago, about this whole Sandy, Matt, Maya, Kirsten, the Valentine's Day party. Remember all of that? Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I realized watching these episodes that made and it made me go back and like try and literally do research trying to understand this storyline that i just apparently do not understand because i was adamant about the fact because i thought with all my heart i thought (laughs) that the guy that sandy and matt took on the walking tour was maya's dad and i said that in the episode and it was not we met maya's dad in this episode, this week. Yeah. So I don't have face. any idea who that first guy was. So this, I, I think he was like an underling, but this is what I'm I, I'm feeling has happened, especially after watching the rest of the episodes. I mean, we can get into it in the actual podcast if you want. But to well, me, this is it the sounded podcast, like... Chelsea. We've already started. Well, uh, We're live. It, to, to me, what I gathered happened is Matt, he's like an acquaintance from her, like maybe kind of like a missed, missed connection from college. They probably vibed and maybe gone on a couple dates, but it never like became an actual couple thing. But she always had the hots for him and he always knew it. And because he knew that she liked, he like, because he knew that she liked him was, he was like, I'm not going to like get involved with her while we are dealing with her dad. But to me, I think it's very selfish because not only did Kirsten try to drag him in to benefit her new match business, but Sandy also tried to drag him in to help with the hospital. So then that makes the second episode of this even more heartbreaking because they both used Matt as a pawn. And now they're having to oust him and again, just use him like a disposable pawn. So I rewatching all of this, I'm like, Matt is the innocent victim here. Capitalist Sandy sucks. <laughs> this whole situation could have been avoided. I have some very strong opinions about the second episode. Hey, Beta Dylan coming in here just mm-hmm. to uh, make a point. I completely disagree. I think that Matt is the worst person ever. And multiple notes that I make uh, for episode two is Matt is awful. But I will say. Wait, um, what? Are you serious? Or are you just fucking yeah, with me? I did not like Matt in these episodes. I feel like he's uh, he's getting a little bit too big for his britches. See, um, I thought the opposite. I think that Matt is being the only nice, decent person in this whole. Oh my God! Wow. We I, are I can't wait to. to uh, I can't wait to to see to to watch what I have created here and put Dylan and Chelsea against each other. Yeah, I, um, I don't know what to think until Ryan tells me what his opinion right. is, then I can decide. But mm-hmm. um, for the sake of the the churro guy versus. Um, 
uh, Gotham Girl's actual dad. We also need to consider the fact that this is the OC, so it could be the same guy just played by two different actors in the same season. No, I know one guy was named Bill, and then her dad is not her dad. Her dad's named something else. I went back and like looked into this because I was trying to understand it, and I still stand by the part that I said last week, which was that Sandy and Kirsten made a deal that Kirst that Sandy would do Valentine's Day Kirsten's way if okay, she yeah. could get Maya to the party. Because Matt wanted to talk to Maya and and like fix things with her. That is real. I double check that. When you're the king and the queen, you just gotta sacrifice some pawns sometimes. But other than that, I am just as lost as anyone else in the storyline, and I feel like I'm not a total moron. So I don't know what happened in the writers' room here. But we'll get to that more in uh, as we get through the uh, the second episode of this podcast. But let's start with the first episode, episode 17 of season three. It's called The Journey. The journey features Sandy Cohen on screen for seven minutes and seven seconds. Still, and tell me about the journey. The journey took place on March 16th, 2006. And okay, if I remember correctly from earlier this week, which of course I don't, I thought that our numbers were pretty high for the last episode, like in the seven millions or something like that. No, we talked about we talked about how low they were. Well, they they're still low. Now yeah. we're at five point four million. Um, so sorry, John Stevens. Uh, looks like your episode didn't garner that many views. This is my episode, and I'm this is what I'm doing. I'm debuting a new thing. I haven't told you guys what it is yet. Uh, I'm I'm reinventing the wheel here. I I just thought that like my last couple of recaps have been generally kind of boring. I'm just basically recapping scene by scene, and I want to be as opposite Dylan as much as possible. So instead of <laughs> going like scene by scene, story by story, we're gonna see if this works. Instead of doing that, I'm going to give you just a brief summary of the episode, and then I'm going to ask you my top 10 questions about the episode. Ooh. I love it. Is that better? This is exciting. Let's see if, how this goes. Let especially with Especially with like a weird um, format like this. I really, really like this idea. This is great. Okay. So I got these uh, summaries from the OC Wiki because I'm not going to try. You know, Dylan's the writer here. I'm not going to try and, and one of yes. him and his recaps. Do Anonymous Ooh. Eagle. The journey, right. <laughs> Summer and Julie talk about the latter's relationship with Dr. Roberts when they suspect that he wants to take Julie on a cruise to Mexico. Meanwhile, Sandy travels to New Mexico to the local jail to visit <laughs> Dawn Atwood and ask her to attend Ryan's 18th birthday party being held at the bait shop. In the aftermath of his breakup with Marissa, Ryan debates whether or not to move on with Sadie after he's finished restoring Johnny's house. Volchek insists a little too much to have a chat with Marissa, and Matt has to rescue her. Later, she decides not to go to Ryan's birthday party and goes to the beach to join Volchek. Okay. Mm. 10 questions that I have from this episode. And I will say that each question has about five questions wrapped up inside of it. So (laughs) here we go. Question number one, should Ryan have invited Marissa to the birthday party? Does Ryan owe her a talk? And also did he invite her? Because I thought that was unclear when he goes to the trailer and he listens to the model home mix, he has the invitation. And then later when she goes back to her trailer, she picks up the invitation. Like he was left, like he left it at her house. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he did invite her. Is that what we landed on? Yes. I think he did invite her. Because he told Sadie literally a scene before that, I'm not inviting Marissa. So then the next scene is he invites Marissa. Well, he lies to women. That's that's what Ryan does. Well, okay. I think that it's really shitty if he doesn't invite her, whether they're together or not. Like they take time to say during the second episode that we were covering today, how she's family. Kirsten says it. Marissa says it herself. I mean, she really, and at one point they were connected by a marriage. Like they grew up next to each other, you know, the families. So that's really shitty if someone has a birthday party at a big venue and doesn't invite you. Like even if you broke up, like it does, 
your mm. relationship and your family's relationship it not transcend that. It wasn't a I, bad breakup either. I think that's yeah, the important distinction. It, it wasn't. It's not like, yeah, it wasn't like there was an explosive thing. They just grew apart because they both had different, you know, traumas that they were dealing with. Well, here we go. I'm coming in like a wrecking ball, disagreeing with you already. So All right, go for I it. just, I feel like, yeah, the Coens have a great relationship with the Coopers and they are like family. Marissa is like family to them, as Kirsten says in the episode. But Ryan only knows Marissa as someone that he's dated. They've said before they were never friends. They said that in season two, like we were never friends. All we did was date. So I do feel like if Ryan breaks up with Marissa, needs to get over it and have space, the last thing you'd want to do is invite her to your birthday party, right? Um, and you say it wasn't a bad breakup, but I do think that if we if we asked Marissa, the person Marissa, I would think that she would still, if in the, in her perfect world, she would still be with Ryan. Like, I feel like she misses Ryan and she wishes they didn't break up just because it wasn't an ugly, bad breakup doesn't mean that she didn't want it to happen. Right. Yeah. I, I think so. So, you know, when it was supposed to just be like a small intimate party before Seth just Seth all over it. I think it would have been weird if um, if it was just like the core four plus Sadie. I think that would be weird. But once Seth kind of reached that stage where he was like, I just was looking to you know fill the room with bodies. I feel like at that point, it was okay for her to be invited, especially because you kind of have to think about the fact that all of her friends are there. And yeah. so not only would that be like, a, oh, man, we're broken up. I'm lonely. It would also be a, oh, and by the way, you're not invited to this thing that literally everyone else you know is going to. And Todd and agrees. I, yeah, exactly. Well, and the thing is, I don't think that Marissa necessarily didn't want them to break up either. Like whenever she didn't want them to break up in season one, she made that super clear. Remember, she gave that speech like, I'm used to getting what I want. Mm. Like this time they were both just indifferent towards each other. So it really wasn't uncomfortable. And I mean, Dylan's right. Like everyone she knows is invited to this party. And it's not like Ryan has any friends anyways. Like, Yeah. No, I agree. I agree if you're going to throw a big ass party like I do for mm -hmm. myself every year. Um, then, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess this is before social media. So you couldn't just put the thing out there and invite everyone like in a blanket. So, yeah, I, the handwritten invitation feels like a lot for your ex that you just broke up with. Kirsten even makes a point to say like, don't tell me you haven't talked to her about it yet. And like everyone was that trying was to tell them that he should have a chat with her. And I was like, I don't think he should. I feel like once it's over, it's over. And you guys both need space to move on, right? Like you shouldn't immediately talk to each other about your relationship. I do agree with you on that on that front, Ryan. Like they broke yeah. up. You don't need to, you know, like do a, 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 a post-op of the breakup. It's done. It's over. Well, but they, he, uh, why did he have to he hand her an invitation? Like, he could have mailed it to her trailer, or he could have said, hey, Summer, tell Marissa that she's always welcome around us. Maybe it's because he still likes her a little that's bit. That's actually, no, the Summer heart. thing is good. Um, he probably couldn't, I think, I think he delivered it, like, the day of. I don't think it would have got, it would have been a move, actually, to mail it so late that it would have <laughs> arrived late. That would have been a great move, yeah. actually. Oops. <laughs> great there, move. there are two things that I want to bring up about the birthday and the invitation itself that kind of bothered me. Um, the first thing is, I think at one point at the very beginning of the episode, they're talking about how, Ryan's talking about birthdays and he was like, man, I, I don't remember the last time I had a birthday. I think I was nine and I went to the zoo with my mom, but like, didn't he just have a bar mitzvah? Uh, that was not his. Yeah. It, it was just the fundraiser. Yeah, that wasn't his it was, okay. it was just a party. Like what, what was the purpose it like for, for it being his bar mitzvah though? Was it just because he had not like, been bar mitzvah? Yeah. Okay. And it was just to raise money for, uh, John. And it was for, it okay. was for Christmas, not for his birthday. But no, yeah, I, yeah actually that made me, that threw me off for a second, but yeah, you're right. The, uh, 
the the other thing too this is just stupid but it annoyed me so much when seth was like you got to take a look at these invitations you know i ordered a hundred of them they're really great and then he hands him already sealed envelopes and we only see the actual invitation very quickly on the uh on the refrigerator yeah i have a question about that coming up later later in my list of questions um but i will say seth has great handwriting Anytime we've seen yeah. it, we remember when he, in season one when he leaves his parents the notes and he like writes mom and dad and then just last week whenever he wrote the nat, the cocktail napkin thing and then mm-hmm. and this week and he's writing out that yeah he has great handwriting I don't think I've ever appreciated his handwriting but that's, delicate that's hands. one good thing that he has all right uh, question number two of my top ten burning questions <laughs> question two what the hell is Gidget doing um, can anyone explain <laughs> what he's doing can anyone explain why he's like stalking her. And what was that weird monologue about Johnny? Like, was he opening up? Because literally the monologue was, you know, Johnny was the good guy and then he died, period. And I was like, what? <laughs> what is he saying? That was his so big moment. So is he in, like, his very limited way, like, showing vulnerability, or just showing some kind of existential, like, realization, like, oh, this fucking sucks. Like, it obviously touched him in some way. Um like, so I was thinking to myself, it, it kind of reminds me of in uh, How I Met Your Mother, they have a concept called the Dahmer Dobbler effect. Mm-hmm. And basically, it's like these certain acts that, if you're into a person, would be like a grand romantic gesture. But if you're not into a person, it would become really creepy and stalkerish. Well, it's more and if, terrible. It's, I think it's if the person's into you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. If the person's into you. So, like, if I if I am into someone and they show up at the places that I'm going to be, then I'm like, oh. But if I am not into them, then it's really creepy and I want to call the cops. So, I mean, like, Volchek took a gamble and clearly it paid off. But do we think he, I, but do yeah. we think that he likes her? Is he interested in her? Does he just want to hook up with her? Does he, like, what's his goal here? No, I think he's super into Marissa. I think he's interested just, just simply because I feel like if he just wanted to hook up with her, this is so stupid. Maybe it'll make sense. Maybe it won't. But like, if you just wanted to hook up with her, I feel like he would be traveling like with a roving pack of his surfer buddies. Like, hey, what's up? And like, you know, like that. But what he's doing in this episode is my favorite thing in the world, which is randomly showing up on the pier at night, staring at her when she's with Matt. Like, I laughed out loud when she just looked over and Volchek was just over in the shadows. I also thought that he had an amazing line whenever Matt came to her defense. And I think he, what did he say? He said. You gonna hit me with your little cell phone there? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> Volchek might be my favorite character. This Volchek is my Taylor Townsend. I've decided. I can't just. I did. I, mean, I think I like the character a lot. I just can't figure out what his motive is yet. Like, I can't decide. Like, if I feel like if I, I feel like if it clicked into place for me, I would probably like it a lot more. I just can't understand so, what, what he's doing. I think he, I mean, obviously Marissa's gorgeous, and he noticed that a long time ago, like whenever he first started showing up in the episodes. But um, I think that Johnny did touch something authentic in him. But of course, like, you know, old dog, like new tricks, like he's not going to lose <laughs> him being a scumbag. So he's not like all of a sudden transformed into like a nice guy. But he does like throughout the next episodes show some genuine interest in try. Like, obviously, he's a horrible person, but like he's trying to be better around Marissa and trying to. He's doing his best. I'm not good at expressing myself he's, today. I apologize. He's better than Johnny. But okay, Will you is, edit this, Ryan, so I don't sound like a fucking idiot? I'll make you sound worse. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I'll make you sound I, your, worse. Your version of worse is probably better than my normal self, so I'm okay with that. I'll make you sound worse, but then I'll make sure people know that you didn't sound as bad as I made you sound. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> no, I would appreciate 
appreciate that. That would be funny. That would be a nice funny bit. <laughs> Let's start I believing like you randomly. No, but so him, literally <laughs> yeah. his whole thing with Johnny was, we grew up together. His mom said that he was, or like my mom said that Johnny was smart and he was, and then he died. Anyway, bye. And then he left and I was like, what the fuck? I, I guess, I guess he's expressing himself. And I guess he's opening up, but I just didn't understand it. He did something similar in the last episode. If I remember where Marissa, he was like, do you ever, did you ever want to know what happened between Johnny, Johnny and I, or Johnny and me? And Marissa's like, yes. And I think he just goes, well, surfing. <laughs> yeah, no, he was like, he, <laughs> he used to hang with us and then he got better than me. So, all the right. End. Yeah. I don't know. I got, well, he's. And Johnny's too much of a soft boy to hang out because, you know, Volchek has really legitimate, scary criminal friends. Oh, and yeah. Johnny's a soft boy. He wouldn't want to be mess around. I will say that's the thing. That's the boy. thing. Although, Although I guess Johnny did try to rob a gas station, so he did not try. He did not try. He was stopped. I don't think he would have done it. He Um, was vacillating by the Gatorades. (laughs) That could be the name of this episode. (laughs) Vacillating by the Gatorades. I figured you do that. Kissing cousins or orange is the new dawn. Hey, speaking of cousins, here we go. Question number three. (laughs) Yes. Is a hammer a terrible birthday gift? Yes or no? What the hell is Ryan's type? And what are they doing to Johnny's house? Can Hi. anyone help me here? So we learned in this episode, cousin is just also just out of a relationship where she was in love with someone. So literally four days ago, she was with somebody else and she broke up with, and she was like, we broke, we, it was off and on. And it seemed like it was going to go on forever until finally Johnny died. And now I'm here. So I guess the relationship is over. Um, but knowing what we know about Ryan so far and the people that he's dated, Teresa, Marissa, Lindsay, and now Sadie. What do we think that Ryan's type is? I can answer all of these very quickly. Okay. Okay, uh, go for a it. A hammer is uh, not a very good gift. However, she didn't just get him a hammer. She got him a friend zone hammer. I was going to say. Has personal I, engraving engraved, on it. Engraved. Thank you. I'm thankful for your friendship. That is an excellent hammer. Um, <laughs> and that is an excellent <laughs> gift. I think that, well, what they're doing to, um, to Johnny's house, I think she explains it that they're going to sell it. And so I guess they're flipping it. They're kind of doing an early kind of, um, you know, Chip and Joanna Gaines kind of thing and flipping the house, making it open concept. But as far as Ryan's type, I feel like um, strong, strong brunettes who are really good at making sack lunches, I feel like is a vibe for him. Lindsay was a redhead. I never saw. Yeah, it's true. But they didn't. I feel like they they didn't have that connection. I feel I'm thinking specifically of Teresa and of Sadie. We never we never seen the way that Sadie packs a lunch, but I can only assume (laughs) that she stacks the chips on top of the sandwich the way you're supposed to and even finds a way to put an orange in there. Dylan, we're trying to have a life here and not talk about uh, the OC until the end of time. (laughs) Coming in hot. I I almost have everyone hate me by the end of this show. You're there. I have strong opinions about this because I was thinking to myself, I I related it. Me and my husband are uh, watching Mad Men for like the 20th time in our household. And Don has two very specific types. He likes kind of um, statuesque blondes that kind of fit that perfect housewife um, vibe. And then he also likes kind of moody brunettes um, who are like artsy and have problems. And I was like, oh, Ryan's kind of the same but opposite. He likes like strong, independent brunettes who take care of themselves and don't cause them issues or he likes, you know, moody blonde or he's like able to be cap- 
captured by Moody Blondes, and that's why we had that issue in the whole second episode with the bizarro Jess, who I cannot fucking stand. I hate But then her. I realized that that is a terrible theory because of all the girls of this entire series, the one who actually caused him the most trouble is Teresa. The most trouble? What do you mean? How? Because she got knocked up and made oh. him quit school and be a construction worker. But those skills are coming in handy now with his new girl. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. I literally forgot. Like, I, I didn't even tie the two together that he used to do construction and now he's helping Sadie with construction. Check out I don't pregnancy. think he mentions that. <laughs> like, hey, by the way, Sadie, you know why I'm really good at all this? It's because I thought that I had knocked up my ex-girlfriend and I decided to play house with her for a summer. <laughs> like, I think he did construction before that <laughs> Teresa thing. He talked about it before. Um, yeah. So, okay, so who do we think he has the best? Out of these four that we know, obviously... Taylor is the answer because that's who he ends up with. Yeah. But of these yes. four, who do we think he has the best chemistry with? Because I think it might be Sadie. I feel like Sadie might it's be Sadie. my favorite of these four. Yeah. Really? I think so. Okay. Like, okay. As if someone that I look at and go, like, she can handle his bullshit, I think it's Sadie. I think that she's playing the cool girl vibe a little bit too hard. Like, I'm not jealous. I understand. Something's calling you that way. Like, I don't care that you're ditching me for a date with this random girl, Jess, because she's crying in a pool house. All right. I'm going to move on. Question four. Um, We might be taking Mm -hmm. two. Question number four. Uh, Did Marissa really not know that she was in the model home when she was in the model home? (laughs) I love that sequence so much. She's like, this house looks familiar. And then she realizes when she's there. Also, Gidget's doing construction. Did we know this? I don't think we knew this. Oh, she has him a type. and Ryan have that in common. Yeah, man. Um, I think so. I like. I don't remember how constructed the house was whenever they snuck Ryan in there. But, but, I mean, but I Marissa guess showed formed. up to the model home without realizing, oh, yeah, I was here two years ago and I was with Ryan and the house burned down. This is the same place. She didn't know that until she got inside. Well, she said yeah, it looked familiar, and then the Mario guy said, well, all these McMansions look the same. I feel like that was more for us than mm. Marissa. Well, I that, did well, that was seeing... kind of that was kind of the bigger point was that this episode features a lot of like model home nostalgia, um, the, oh, the mix yeah. CD and the actual literally mm-hmm. the home. And the next episode featured a lot of like Trey nostalgia and flashbacks. And I was wondering if yeah. at this point in the series they were running, they were like shit. People loved it when we did these things last year and two years ago. Let's just do. Let's just remind them that these things were good because ratings are in a free fall. They're they're running out of ideas. I uh, and it's so evident, especially in the next episode. It's it's not even meta. It's just bad. So Marissa uh, goes to the model home. We find out that Gidget's there. He, she's so she like she stalked him. He stalked her around. Uh, went to her house. Showed up on the pier when she was with Matt. Got into a fight with a cop because ACAB. Um, <laughs> she did all that. He did all that to like find her. And then she somehow, she stalked him by talking to a guy who looked like Ed from The Bachelorette at the, down at the beach. <laughs> um, so she talks to him and finds out that he's just doing construction. She show, shows up to the model home and then falls down the stairs. So big I day. laughed. Big day for Marissa. So hard. Um, okay, question number five. What cover band would you want to play at your birthday party? Ooh. Blink-182 is my answer. Yeah, Blink-182 would be fantastic. Blink, I think I would have to agree and say, agree with both of you and say Blink-182 would be awesome just simply because or I feel Blink like that kind of... cover band, obviously, but yeah. Yeah, that, that, I feel like that kind of music has the best cover band energy. Like, I don't want to hear... I mean, I feel like... <laughs> so you John grateful... Stevens, a cover band? <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like thinking about this so hard because I'm like, who would I want to see versus like who would be fun for like your age, like a wide variety of age ranges. My so-called band. I was gonna say my so-called band could be that, but like we, we I'm asking for specific bands. Yeah, yeah, it has to be a band band. Um, I mean, I, I think the Stones would be kind of fun because everyone would know some of their songs and it rocks harder. Like with Beatles is great, everyone knows their songs, but they don't rock as hard. Uh, Revolution has entered the chat and wants to talk with you about rocking hard. <laughs> oh, look, here's back in the USSR as well. I don't know if a Nelly cover band exists, but if it does, I feel like that could be the answer. <laughs> what about a Wu Tang cover band? I think I want a Michael band? Jackson uh, cover band. Actually, Chelsea, he's canceled. Then, Let me. I yeah, we cancel bad, everyone. I have some it, bad news for you. If it's a cover band, it would be non-problematic. That's the best way to enjoy Michael Jackson because someone else would be singing his stuff. I actually agree with you. I got hired to book to DJ a Halloween party, and I asked him like, I, you know, how do we feel about Michael Jackson? I don't really play him anymore, and they're like, yeah, same, but we'll find covers of thriller so it basically it's the same thing yeah yeah, I agree. I like yeah. so i yes i delete rolling stones i think i want michael jackson boom done all right question wow. number six do neil Isolate and that audio do neil and summer literally ever talk because he so the julie neil storyline is, is doing things here yeah they summer finds out that or summer goes through her own mail or his mail and she discovers these uh cruise tickets and uh tells taylor that you know that's how he proposes to people as he goes on cruise or he tells seth that that's how he proposes to people he takes them on cruises and also neil and julie don't know that summer knows that they're hooking up summer eventually tells marissa so now summer and marissa both know summer tells julie that we know and then way later in the future julie tells neil that hey by the way both of our kids know and I was like, I don't, I'm not sure if Neil and Summer, I mean, I guess they live in the same house, allegedly, but I'm not sure they ever talk to each other. It looks like it's a 10,000 square foot house. They might literally not run into each other. It's like Half two ships, ships in the, in the night. night. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that Neil had to learn that the kids know about the relationship from Julie instead of from Summer. You remember that scene from Macaulay Culkin's Richie Rich where they're calling each other on phones at the dining room table from opposite sides of the dining room table because it's so big? That's the kind of energy I get from Doc Ock and Summer is I feel like they they talk, but do they really say anything? You know, kind right. of one of those deals. Do we think Neil's going to propose? Well, I guess we kind of already know, but is it insane that he's considering proposing to Julie because literally at the beginning of this exact same episode, he was telling her like, we should wait to tell the kids until we know what we're doing. We should take it slow and not and not move too quickly. And now he's getting a ring. I don't think it's it's necessarily insane. Different strokes for different folks. I think that he made it clear why he switched up his plan. Because he was unsure where he was, but then whenever the whole fiasco happened with the tickets, he said, you know, maybe it's fate. And so maybe he's kind of trying to listen to, you know, the motion in the proverbial ocean and saying, okay, maybe fate is bringing us together. Let's lock this down because I jumped to conclusions about relationships. So, yeah, maybe it is crazy now that I kind of walked myself (laughs) through that. Crazy. Final answer. All right. Uh, question number seven. Um, if we don't, if uh, even if you include the episode after this, which we also just watched, because I truly don't remember. I do think that at some point later in season three, Dawn shows up again for a, a, a different time. I, isn't there an episode where Ryan like has a one night stand with a waitress? Isn't that in this season? Yeah. Okay. And I, I have thick opinions about that too. We'll get to that later. But we'll like up it. to this mm-hmm. point, knowing what we know, 
in just in these episodes, if someone's at home listening along that hasn't seen future episodes, what was the point of the Dawn storyline here? Um, I think it's to pepper her in because she does kind of become important towards the end of this season. Yeah. But also, I mean, everyone's wondering what happened to her. Clearly, we're talking a lot about Trey. Clearly, they both had a shared history somewhere. It was nice to remember that she existed. Um, so I think it was just to show, you know, first of all, Sandy's still a good guy, even though it's also capitalist Sandy who we're annoyed with. Um, but you know, his mom hasn't necessarily gotten her life together. She's actually probably at a low point at the moment. I want to talk about your comment, Sandy is still a good guy, because I think that what he did was kind of manipulative. I agree completely. No, I agree. I had the same note. Okay. Because like, I mean, what he's basically doing is he's like, hey, come to Ryan's birthday. And then she's like, oh, I can't. You know, I'm in jail. I can't do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, so I can't. Goes, in jail. Yeah, sorry. New number. Um, but he goes, okay, here's the deal. I paid off all of your debts. Yeah. Now you have to go to your son's birthday. I, I would so she, no, she was She was literally saying to him after he gets her out of jail, like I can't, I can't pay these debts back. He's like, well, I took care of it. All you have to do is come to Ryan's party, and she's literally saying, like, I don't think that's a good idea. I don't know if I want him to see me like this. And he's like, yeah. come on, my hotel's just down the road. Just come with me. He's putting a lot of pressure on her, um, yeah. and then she does split. Like she basically took, she basically takes his money and fucking bails. But she does leave Ryan a letter, um, a sweet one. It looks like a lot of it's letters. Got a picture, I guess, that she brought with her to prison a lot of handwritten notes in this episode yeah um but yeah mm-hmm. i mean to yeah. me it was another just like we need to remind people of things from previous seasons because they like previous seasons so here's don and here's the model home right um <laughs> okay question number eight is a bit of a rhetorical question so the scene where sandy discovers where don is she's in jail in albuquerque he tells Kirsten that, and he goes, you know, I found Dawn. She's in Albuquerque. And Kirsten goes, New Mexico? So my question is, does Kirsten think there's another city in the U.S. called Albuquerque? Do you think, do either of you think there's another Albuquerque in the United States? Yes or no? There has to be, yes. Yes. And there I think a- probably probability-wise, it's in Texas. There is an Albuquerque, Texas. You are correct. Yep. Whoa, no way. Yep. There is. There's an everything okay. Texas, I think. Go on. Um, the last part of this question. There's a Paris, Oklahoma. Yeah, there is. Um, There's a Paris, Texas, too. The last part of this question is, can either of you spell Albuquerque? Oh, shit. Would either of you like to try? Would you like to try? A-L-B-U-Q-U-E-R-Q-U-E. That is correct. Wow, Chelsea. On the board. Damn! Get fucked, Dylan. Oh, I was I was looking it up because you didn't say we couldn't cheat. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Um, all right, question number nine is Marissa creating the model home mix CD, sending if she were to give it to Ryan. It was her plan was to give it to Ryan. She left it at the house. Um, Ryan found it because she wasn't home. He went by the house to give her the uh, the invitation. Um, he listens to it. South paint the silence music moment of the episode. By the way, still great song, love it, but. Is it's is the mix CD sending mixed signals? Is my question. Yes, because yeah, I totally. feel like she still wants to be with Ryan. Hundred yeah. percent. She wants him to paint the ceiling to paint the silence, and I'm convinced every single song on that album is "Paint the Silence." In my head, that's what it is. At least all 18 tracks or however many you can fit on a burned CD. I used to remember. Okay, but Chelsea, I challenge you because when back in question one, you said I don't think Marissa wants to still be with Ryan. It was a mutual breakup, but I feel like her making the CD is kind of like still wanting Ryan back. I don't. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that they're both feel. Marissa Borso is feeling nostalgic. Um, I don't think that she is firm on that decision too. Or though, I don't know. It's hard. I, I honestly <laughs> could be convinced Ryan. either either way. To be honest, we call that impeachment with prior inconsistent testimony. Good job, <laughs> man. <laughs> Uh, I'm a lawyer now, by the way, so that's why I had to get my hair cut. Run. Um, okay, last question, and it's a two-parter. One, is the joke that Seth booked the wrong band on purpose, but he wanted Ryan to think he did it on an accident? Was that the joke? Because I didn't understand the joke. Also, would you ever go to a birthday party for a total stranger if someone just handed you an invitation? Because that place was packed. We, they established multiple times it was full of people that no one knows Ryan. And they even gave a speech about how it's Ryan's birthday and like some people applauded. And I was like, I would never go to a random birthday party like this. Well, what I'm wondering is if it was just like a regular bar night that they just happened to have like no, Ryan's. No, it said close for private event on the outside. Oh, okay. Gosh, no, I would never go to a random birthday party. Um, I, I've crashed a few weddings before, but that was different. I lived in a hotel, so... <laughs> That's going to be a bonus episode. Um, Unpacking that trauma. (laughs) One, um, I didn't get that joke. I didn't like it. I didn't understand it. I actually have a fairly um, long note. I don't get the foreigner journey thing. I thought the joke was that Seth didn't know the difference. Then he did. This show is stupid. I'm confused. (laughs) Right. The joke would have been funny if Seth just booked the wrong band and didn't realize he booked the wrong band. That would have been funny. Yes. With regard to whether or not I would attend a total stranger's birthday, probability-wise, every time you go out to a restaurant, you're attending a stranger's birthday, and you just don't know, and they don't know you're but there. But it's not and a so private event. Yeah. I would absolutely do it. I don't even You care. know what I wonder happened is if they were... Well, but, but actually, this would be stupid that they would pay so much attention to this uh, continuity, but not other stuff. But I wonder if yeah they've made it a thing that Ryan likes Journey, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason they couldn't get the rights, so they're like, oh, we'll do Foreigner instead, and make a joke out of it. That's they, real, that's well, really they played Journey in season one. That's when we learned it was Ryan's favorite band. But is it different to play it versus someone else playing it live? Ooh, that's a great point. I don't um, know about the money rights or how that works. So that's it. Those are my ten questions for this episode. Basically, um, the episode ends with um, Marissa does come to the birthday party because she was invited. I guess I didn't really fully don't understand mm-hmm. if she was or wasn't invited. I don't know. Um, she shows up she has the CD she's gonna give it to Ryan and at the last minute she turns her I feel like they're standing like five feet away from each other but she decides to turn around and walk away and go hang out with Gidget on the beach instead at her house Um, and then Sadie who we learned previously was just out of a relationship and couldn't come to Ryan's party because she was going to hang out with her ex in Los Angeles decided that she was going to make a choice and I guess ditched her ex to come hang out with Ryan instead. Ryan introduces her to the Coens and apparently they're a thing now and that's basically the episode. I guess there's one last thing I want to talk about and Mm -hmm. it's when um, Matt like defended Marissa on the pier Mm -hmm. with the cops. Um, I... I kind of felt that they were teasing Big Brother vibes. Like, I don't I know that last, like, last week when we talked about this, we were like, oh, are they, like, you know, chemistry testing them? What's going on? Um, but to uh, me, he's kind of like, you know, it's like he sees Sandy taking care of these kids, and it almost seemed like he was doing that same thing, and he was just being, like, a protective friend. But what vibes did you guys get from it? Uh, what are you doing, stepbro? Vibes. So, both. <laughs> I, uh... I have a single honorable mention. It's a single honorable mention for a quote that I loved. I think it was Summer that said it. I was so excited I forgot to write it down. But someone described, first of all, I'm convinced that Marissa spends 90% of this season on uh, 
uh, Pier 49 or Sad the Beach. Sad Beach. But yeah. I think it's Summer that describes her as staring out at the water like you're a naval widow. That <laughs> oh was so Oh my god, so that was good. a great line. They, Summer and Seth have really, really good lines these last two episodes. So I think to the point about the Matt thing is like, it, it literally depends on where you fall in these episodes, whether you think Matt is a good guy who's being used by these people and is more of a pawn than anything else, or if you think he's a giant tool bag, like I think Dylan thinks he is. Um, he's a bag of friend zone hammers. No, I think <laughs> I think that if the opportunity presented itself, things with him and Marissa would progress. Like I feel like he would not turn that down. Like I feel like that's definitely in Matt's wheelhouse. Don't forget he's a douchey college bro that hangs out at strip clubs. Um I think that could happen and I think that he's not it's not his priority, but she's just like a girl who's there and if it happens, it happens. I do think that in the grand scheme of things, as we get into this next episode, that um he is kind of right. Like he he really liked Maya. He didn't really want to get her involved in this thing and now they're both involved in this thing. So yeah, I am a little bit team team Matt on that regard. But since we're talking about it, let's get into it. Episode number eighteen. It's called The Undertow. The Undertow features Sandy Cohen on screen for 6 minutes and 11 seconds. Dylan, tow the under. America was caught in the undertow on March 23, 2006. All 5.36 million people on Earth. That's the entire population of the planet. Um, Two people wrote this episode. It took two writers (laughs) to write this. And their names were Mark Fish, because Fish enjoy the undertow, and J.J. Philbin. Our golden goddess. Okay. Uh, JJ, what happened, girlfriend? <laughs> this is her. This is her rise of Skywalker. Listen, you this can't bat her... She's allowed yeah. to have a couple of misses. Okay, and uh, I mean, there were some cute moments in this. I will say the highs were high. Okay, so the episode starts um, with a well. You think that it's going to be the core four, but wait, it's not Marissa. It's Sadie. Uh, they're all kind of just hanging out, watching TV, doing teenage shit, and there's a knock on the door, and. It is none other than one, <laughs> just the girl who overdosed on ecstasy. Floater girl returns. <laughs> Return of the floater girl. <laughs> Which, by the way, this is also the outfit of the episode. It's so ridiculous. She's wearing like a hot pink Lacoste headband and a Lacoste uh, polo. It's stupidest outfit ever. Wait, did you have an, uh, wait, did you have an outfit of the episode for the previous episode? Because if you, um, I don't think so. I think it was the I think it was the foreigner cover band lead singer. That guy looked incredible. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. He looked badass. Um. So she. So she shows up out of nowhere. Obviously, we're like, huh? And she brings him a gift from Trey, Trey. for Ryan's belated birthday. So um, Trey via Jess gives Ryan a toy car, and this moment clearly just clouds Ryan's vision. It fucks him up. It sends him into a tailspin. Ryan is distraught and making poor decisions the rest of this episode, Mm -hmm. all triggered by this moment. This sent me into a tailspin as well because of this stupid gift. So he he opens it up. I forgot what the gift was when I was watching this. So first of all, he gets handed the package. I'm like, that's like a Hot Wheels car or something, isn't it? Because they stole a car together. And then he opens it and it's a car. And it's like, oh, I get it. It's because they stole a car together. (laughs) I didn't even put that together until just now. And then, uh, and then when Sadie's like, or excuse me, when Cousin's like, so what? What is this? What's the deal? And he's like, it's kind of an inside joke. 
And then it's like, no, it's not. Like, you stole a car. It's public record. It's not an inside joke. But well, it's an inside story end, because he says at the end that they used to play with those cars together. Yeah, but th- so that that That'd almost... Be like, but that would, be, that would be like if he, like for Marissa's birthday, if Trey mailed her like a toy gun. <laughs> yeah. We oh used to God. We used to play with guns together. It's like... <laughs> you did not. So I just don't, I don't even, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I hated that gift. I'm with Ryan. Ryan Atwood, not not Ryan Drake. Mm. I'm with her. Um. So moving on. Um. Like Volchek. God. Like he's so hot. I'm kind of a little titillated. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't episode. get to say in the last episode that like I don't understand what he's doing and it's a lot of weird shit. But he gets a pass on everything because he is like the archetype like of a bad guy of a bad boy and also he's so hot. It's insane. That earring he has like works. He. He looks at Marissa like he's looking at an aquarium exhibit. It's the weirdest thing. He just kind of sits there and is like. <laughs> no, you're right. He does. He's like observant. It's it's really uncreepy considering what he's doing, mm-hmm. which is just showing up everywhere where Marissa's at and kind of making eye contact with her from across the way. Uh, but he literally goes to uh, Marissa's domicile. He just shows up at her trailer and gives her the $5,000 Cartier watch that Marissa gave to him and told him to sell for money. Remember to get this? Ryan and Remember when this trouble. happened? Mm. Yeah. Um, so he's so they talk for a second. He's like, well, I'm going to be at the beach tonight. And she kind of blows him off. She's like, okay, well, whatever. Um, but after she shuts the door, you can kind of see the look on her face that she's kind of into it, even though she's not willing to admit it yet. Um, so... Seth, meanwhile, and I need some help, like, untangling this. Like, he goes up to – I think because we just covered so many episodes one after another, I'm a little bit lost on storyline. But Seth goes to Summer and tells her that the interview went great. He tells her everything that they connected on. Did he get a makeup interview, or is this still the one that he flaked on? Yes. he re- So he re-ske- like got a rescheduled Well, yes, interview. they showed him walking out of the interview, and he was talking to the interview person, being like, yeah, you're no, you're the man. And I was like, oh, my God. Because they were talking God. about anime. Yeah. <laughs> no wonder he didn't get in. <laughs> but they did They did completely shelve the Seth, ditched his inner Brown interview storyline for, like, three episodes, and now suddenly it's been brought back up, because now suddenly he has a makeup interview. Mm-hmm. Um, so Taylor wants to celebrate Summer, uh, like, you know, the success of his interview, and her and Summer somehow get on, like, the subject, and I don't even know how it quite gets there, but Taylor's just like, ooh, you guys are gonna be having some sexy fun time tonight. There's some weird energy from Taylor, and I like it. Yeah, and Summer's kind of like, huh, what? And I just, I mean, every single scene with Taylor, this episode is made by Taylor's funny, adorable energy. Like, she just wants her friends to succeed so bad. She genuinely cares about them. Um, She, in her weird and invasive way, like, is trying to bring them happiness. And I think it's so cute. Can we just... Encourages Summer to do something special to kind of spark up the magic in their sex lives. Can we just say, can we decide as a podcast that J.J. Philbin was brought on to write those Taylor parts? And that's why those parts are so great. The other person wrote, Mark Fish wrote the other stuff. But J.J. wrote the Taylor Seth Summer stuff. No, that actually makes perfect sense. Um, Ryan is just in a tailspin right now, but Sadie could not be playing it more chill. She's like, I understand. Really, I do. You have a lot of stuff that you're dealing with, and I'm going to give you some space. I love Cousin. So, yeah. <laughs> cousin is great. That's what I'm saying. Like, Cousin is great. Um, but right, it, she's doing the right thing by saying, like, go figure your shit out and then let me know. But, like, Ryan doesn't do that. Ryan doesn't figure his shit. He just, like, goes back to her without figuring his shit out, like, over and over again, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so weird stuff is going on at the hospital board. We discussed this kind of the last episode as we're trying to untangle this whole convoluted storyline. But the hospital board approaches Sandy and they say, we don't like Matt. He's been partying, boozing, gambling late at night at his apartment. And they straight up tell him Matt's off the project or else the deal is kaput. Um, it seemed really obvious at that point that like this had something to do with Maya but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, Sandy isn't putting it together because Sandy has lost, like, he has complete tunnel vision about this hospital. He's lost all perspective. He's capitalist Sandy now. Um, I, I like, wh- what did you guys think about Sandy's reaction to this? I was confused by the whole thing that, like, they're like, oh, well, he's been partying and all the shit at his apartment. And I was like, has he? And we just don't know about it? Like, is this a thing that we don't know about? And Sandy just believes him, so I believed it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the other thing, though, is Sandy was acting all surprised when he was literally at one of those times where there was partying and drinking at his Literally, apartment. it was the only time, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm frustrated by it because ultimately he's 26 years old. Um, I'm certain that I was partying, boozing, gambling, and going to strip clubs when I was 26. I don't know about you guys. I was doing all those things two years ago before coronavirus. Bible study got pretty crazy. My, my <laughs> um, So I am, and you know, I go to work conferences all the time. That's, you know, if you were to take away someone's business prowess because they have some vices that they occasionally indulge in, you're going to have a very, very slim list of people that you can work for. <laughs> and more so than that, I, I, think that, I think that Matt has been a really, really good business partner to Sandy. He's certainly more ethical than, uh, say, Caleb ever was. He's been a good friend. He's helped him with things that don't have anything to do with work, like he helped um, Johnny's mom whenever Johnny died. And he helped, um, oh, he helped Sandy whenever they were trying to get Marissa back into school, find that guy's son. Like, he's done a lot of good stand-up person things. He's rejuvenated this business. Sandy doesn't know anything about business. Like, Matt is the one who has brought the energy. Matt sacrificed himself and said, Sandy, you don't have to be the bad guy. I can fire all, I can do all these layoffs for you. I think he's been a stand-up employee. I would hire him in a second to help me run my little... A little empire. But you're you're just giving him credit for literally doing what Sandy pays him for. No, I don't think that those were Sandy things, like helping with Johnny's uh, death paperwork and helping uh, locate the son of that guy. Those were not work related. Oh, things. I thought those Sandy. I thought things. Sandy asked him to do it, and he would like. Sandy not... did kind of ask him to do it because Matt's like, "Well, I'll see what my guy can dig up," and he's like, "Well, don't. Well, okay, actually, yeah, go ahead and do that. Let's see what we can do." I think those are outside the scope of business. I don't know. The, the way I'm looking at it is almost like a how much is too much thing because Sandy has been cutting him some slack on well, yeah, that's the other, That's the only thing I was going to say is let's not forget the meeting where Chelsea, you were the one that was like, how fucking dumb is Matt that he can't run the numbers because he went to strip yeah, club the night okay. before, right? Good point, good point. Milk strip club. <laughs> Yeah, I just, bring up, I just like bringing up Chelsea receipts. I, this is fun. So, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm full of it. Well, the thing is, though, I, I'm like open minded, so I can see things from different perspectives. <laughs> she just burned both of us. <laughs> you might you know, as turn the, down as your the open-minded one who does all the heavy lifting. <laughs> oh man. Um. So Marissa's sitting on the lifeguard shack, staring to the ocean, per usual. <laughs> Naval widow about it. vibes. Um, she's daydreaming of Volchek showing up and it's kind of, you can definitely tell it's fucking with her head. So eventually she decides to just go to Matt's house and she says that she's kind of freaked out about being alone. And it's true. Like I don't, my parents never left me home alone in high school. Did yours? No, but the show in this episode does a good, um, 
I mean, Home Alone, yeah, not for like an entire cruises, but like this is not the first time yeah, it's happened. She's been cruise. left and in a trailer, like that's but a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. But and, there. Well, and the thing is, like, obviously, if Julie and Neil are together, then why did they not just say, okay, Marissa and Summer can stay together and keep each other in company and out of trouble, or oh, they can stay together with the housekeeper? I think they probably did have some sort of set. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say what I what things that didn't happen on the show did happen on the show, but let's not forget that in season last season. In last season. Um, in season last season. <laughs> whenever that was. Uh, Marissa had to come stay with the Coens because Caleb and Julie were going away on a trip. And so they were like, we're not going to leave Marissa home alone. So she sent him to stay at the Coens house when that was a whole thing. She stayed in the pool house. Well, she Marissa tells Matt, she goes, yeah, Summer's distracted and my mom's on a cruise. I'm just, you know, feeling alone. So, and he, and I think Matt is so sweet. He's like, well, I'm going out of town, but like, you're welcome to stay at my house. Like, I thought that was him being nice and big brotherly personally. As a guy, I feel like there's, it could go either way. As a guy, I feel like let's, I'm going to do this because I'm nice, but also if it leads to more it leads to more whatever happens happens um but whose football yeah, I, jersey was that that was definitely matt's uh, that was an indianapolis colts jersey which i don't know if vibes with what we know about matt anyway no. um <laughs> this episode also does a good job of showing us that like marissa is trying to literally there's a scene where she's trying to call summer and she just gets her voicemail and presumably they just don't hang out because summer's she's reaching out busy. As a, it's a cry for help summer's busy doing sex stuff with seth and, and obviously Johnny's gone. Ryan broke up with her. Didn't want her at his birthday party. Um, so she is yeah. alone. And, Vol- and Gidget even says at the end of the episode, like, you're lonely. You're lonely. Yeah. yeah I think about that. Um, the other thing I was wondering is, do you think, like, subconsciously she's afraid of Volchek? Because Volchek knows where he lives. She lives. He keeps going to her house. So she went somewhere where, like, he couldn't find her. I don't think she's afraid of him at all. I think she's scared right. in, in the way, like, Kristen Stewart is in Twilight. Like, she's not, she's scared, but she likes it. Well, she's scared, but she's, that kind of arouses her, obviously. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Like, yeah, but you know. I think that if she, I don't think she's afraid of him. Well, there, no, there was just a scene, I can't remember what scene it was, but I specifically remember thinking, like, damn, she really, like, stood up to him. Like, he said something, and I can't remember what scene it was. It was one of these two episodes where he says something to her, and she's just like, no fat chance or whatever, like, go away. <laughs> fat and chance. Like, and I was yeah, like, she's like, he, she's. He says, he says, I'll be by, I'll be by the beach later, and she's like, huh, fat chance, like, see you there, and she's like, no, fat chance. Or right, I feel like she's not afraid at all to like stand up to him, and so I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I don't. I think that was less her standing up to him. I think it was more her being like, you know, they're they're playing the game right now, where they're like, oh, I'm not, you know, they're they're pursuing each other, and she's still trying to act like she's not into it. Uh, so uh, Jess is just being the biggest pain in the ass this whole episode. I hate her. Um, she so Ryan goes to Jess's to ask about Trey and finds out. You know, Jess shares like, "Oh, I lived with him in Vegas for a while." He's and she goes, "He's dealing again." And Ryan's like, "What?" She goes, "Blackjack." Tells him um, he's trying to stay out of trouble. Misleading. That was a misleading little yeah. bit of dialogue there, floater girl. Well, Je- Jess is so persistent about trying to get him to stay. Like, this is stage five clinger. This is like, call the cops. She's like, like the Oklahoma <laughs> Blood Institute. She just won't stop calling and trying to get in touch with you and trying. <laughs> All right. So Wow, yeah, the Oklahoma Blood Institute people are listening going like, what the fuck crossfire did we just get caught in? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Like, first of all, like, weird gross kink that she's into brothers, ew. Um, But after that, they they show him, like, with a punching bag trying to process things. So um, I guess that they're trying to show that Ryan is down the path of um, processing his emotions in a healthier way. But I don't know. I honestly think it's kind of insulting to compare Marissa and Jess. Like, yeah, I no, I thought was, the same thing. 
Yeah. Like, Jess is doing drugs. Jess is literally psychotic. Like, Marissa has never done anything nearly as psycho as this. Well, Marissa was a sad product of her surroundings. Tijuana Marissa did overdose in Tijuana, yeah. <laughs> I don't... I think that's less psycho than literally crying and crying and making someone try to stay. Like, that's like... Oh. I mean, it's different oh versions God. of the same thing, but... I do agree that overall they're very different. Um, this ep- she again, just like the last episode, this whole thing is just like a fever dream that comes out of nowhere. It's like, hey, remember Jess and Trey, and now she's going to be in this remember? entire episode. Like, I don't, I truly don't remember if she's in future episodes. If she sh- if she shows up again, I think she does. Um, but it's just bizarre how suddenly. She's just the main character of this episode. And also how much her, like everyone else on this show, is so laser focused on Ryan and doesn't care about anything else but Ryan. It's just Ryan. That's all I care about is Ryan and whatever we need to do to get to Ryan. But that's, there's a line at the end of the episode where Ryan tells her, you got to stay, you got to stop dating guys like that. And I have to stop dating girls like you. And I was like, that was unfair to Marissa. Yeah. Although they yeah. did both overdose. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself into it more, but at the moment I say they're, uh, they're not the same. I mean, it's like, let's just pause and like finish that whole storyline. Um, Cause it gets a little bit convoluted anyways, but like just, so Ryan like stays all night with her because she's like crying and like oh I just have to blah 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 so he accidentally stays there Sadie shows up at the house and Ryan's not there and she figures out what's going on pretty fast and Seth's like oh just give it time and Sadie's like yeah I think that Ryan has some serious issues and I was like that is like a strong statement good but good for her first of all but what are his issues I, that's what I don't understand like savior I- complex like, why is he not telling this Jessica girl to buck off? Like, he doesn't have any... He barely has a connection to her. That's what I'm saying. Like, why... He I'm asking no you that. Like, what are his issues? Yeah. Why is he so into the... Je- is it because she has a tie to his brother? Like, he knows that he could talk to his brother if he wanted to, I'm sure. Like, it just gets sillier and sillier. So I guess the ne- he literally ends it by saying, just, I, I, can't, I can't help you. Like, go call your USC friends. And then she throws a, story, a huge party with the USC friends and apparently she gets drunk and locks herself in a room and says that she's not going to come out until Ryan comes. She locks herself in the pool house, which is once again, throwing darts at the same dartboard of locking someone in the pool house during a raging party, which we've seen in the past. Um, Yeah. And what you said a second ago, I had a lot of questions about, we don't need to get too into it, but like he accidentally stayed the night there. Like how the, what the fuck does that? I mean, you're right. You you are right. But also how, what the fuck does that mean? How does he do that? Like, why didn't he drive himself home? He wasn't drunk. Yeah. I don't know. fall asleep how do you accidentally stay somewhere and he certainly stays away from the cohen's house a lot without them noticing i guess that's why you don't put your teenage son in a pool house too much freedom (laughs) um but i don't know it ends up being stupid like at one point she's like oh trey's on the phone like what a horrible thing to put someone on the spot of like oh the brother that you've had serious trauma with and almost killed you and your girlfriend almost killed him is on the phone do you want to talk to him just i was was wondering no i was wondering was that because if that was truly a random phone call from trey asking her to come get with him again then that is the show kind of letting jess off the hook a little bit because i was wondering if she had that if that even was a real phone call or if she set this all up because i want i think the show wants us to think that she's some evil person that she's trying to get some shit out of ryan but like if that truly was just a random phone call from trey it's like so weird mm-hmm. i just ugh, i don't know 
it just seemed very convoluted. Um, but yeah, along that story, I, you know, the episode does end with him going like, oh, I, I, you need to stop dating guys like Trey and I need to stop, you know, paying attention or dating. Time he says dating. Like dating girls dating? like you. He says yeah. dating he girls, says like, dating you. girls like you. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is such an insult to Marissa. Yeah. Um, but that kind of tidies up that storyline. I think him and Sadie have like one last, um, heart to heart moment in our good um, the only other thing I think important to that storyline is that Kirsten comes in and talks to Ryan and she's just like, you know, Marissa's like the family, but Sadie, we really like Sadie. You should go for Sadie. Well, the and important she says, part. Like, Sorry, yeah, the, I think the, the most important line that she says is just because a girl isn't tied to a train tracks doesn't mean you shouldn't pay attention to her. So this yeah. whole episode was just about him growing from, oh, I, I need a girl who can stand around two feet, which clearly he does in the next season and gets paired up with lovely Taylor. Didn't Kirsten have that amazing line like right at the beginning too, where she just pretty much looks at Ryan and goes, I thought you weren't doing this anymore. <sighs> like about yeah, saving damsels. And I was like, Kirsten, since Kirsten stopped drinking, started cooking and gotten wise, she's also in the running to be... You know, a, an S tier character this season. Yeah, but she doesn't have any storylines anymore. She's just yeah, popping up, and yeah. everyone else is giving him advice and then disappearing again. She's the um, Obi One of season three. Yeah. She kind of the is. only other important thing Kirsten does is she's talking to Saint because Santa goes over to Matt's house to talk to him about what the board member said and runs into Marissa and Marissa's in like pajamas and mm-hmm. he's like, oh, I and you know he tells her like you're always welcome at our house and she's like, oh yeah, I know, it, but obviously Sandy is. <laughs> like spotted her there so he's obviously going home and telling kirsten about it and kirsten kind of has matt's back which i appreciate um but other than that i mean kirsten has no other important storylines in the episode she hasn't had an important storyline in a long time no um so to kind of tie this up uh like eventually you know so sandy kind of does due diligence and looks into it and um you know he's meeting with the head of the board or whatever and he does admit like it was about maya i'm starting to see where you're coming from with the matt was a victim however i still think that he's responsible for his own actions following his use as a pawn i don't think he gets a pass just because he was victimized well but now that wait the whole reason why they had the deal was because of matt and True. now Matt is the expendable one. So, the so they're like, you need to get rid of Matt. So now Sandy's just planning on getting rid of Matt. Yeah. I think I think those uh, capitalist Sandy fucking sucks. Whenever he tells Sandy, like, yeah, it is about Maya. She cried about him for, you know, days or weeks or whatever. Um, I In that moment, it's you're in. we're all going like, well, so that's unfair to Matt that he did this and he let this happen. But we also know that Sandy has done i mean i can't this is a bad this is a bad like statement i guess because i can't i don't have any examples off the top of my head but we know that sandy has done things to bend the truth in the past or like bend the whatever ethics in the past to save his his family and that kind of thing to to look out and save and protect and take care of his family so that guy's Mm -hmm. just doing the same thing only for maya right which i so i don't see any fault with that guy honestly Maybe not no fault, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't think he's the the villain here. That, I think that's the Matt. villain is Sandy was the one who forced the situation. So Sandy needs to have Matt's back. Matt's been great to him. So Sandy just needs to say, okay, the hospital deal didn't work out. But Sandy is so hyper fixated on this fucking hospital. I mean, I think that this storyline escalates a lot and gets to a much worse place. But at this point in time, it's literally like 
hey, if you want this hospital, all you have to do is not work with this dude that you've only worked with for a couple of months that you really don't, that has been good to you, but you don't know him that well. There's a billion other dudes just like him. I'm like, yeah, yes. just get rid of Matt and find another Matt, right? Well, like, well, I don't know. This business. season has felt like three fucking years, though. Like, I feel like he's been with Matt for a long time, and I feel like, I don't know. And I just, also, if you find someone that you can work well with, you got to keep that person. Like, ugh. But, but it's 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 a... It's creating an issue where there's no issue because he's not saying you have to fire Matt. He's just saying, I don't want him working on the project. No, well, he's basically, he's saying fire Matt, I think. Yeah. I think he is. I think he's saying get rid of Matt. Like, I don't want him to part, be I was a part say, of it's any not of like, this. It's not like Newport Group really has anything else going on. That's a great point. They don't. So maybe they need this hospital more than Matt yeah. needs a job. <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, I agree. So I, I guess that kind of wraps up that. So I guess we'll see how it unfolds. Right now, I am firmly team Matt, and I'm very frustrated with Sandy, personally. But um, I guess fighting. the only... Uh, so there's the the rest of the episode that we need to discuss has to do with some sexy time has to do with uh well, so you hang on you Taylor. left off you left off the part if we're done with the ryan sadie stuff you left off the part at the end where he shows back up to her house and tells her the story of trey and like what happened and then they like come back together and they're like they like have sex i think like immediately they have their oh, first kiss do? and then they fuck like immediately they're kissing oh. laying down that's sex dude see i thought they just hadn't had a heart to heart and i knew he talked about trey but like I didn't realize that they went to Pound Town. I mean, Man, it, makes, it certainly makes it look like it in the montage of Seth Summer, uh, Marissa and Gidget, and then Ryan and Cousin, and like they're both, they're taking their clothes off, laying on the ground, hooking up. Like, I'm assuming they had, that's what you do on a TV show to imply that someone had sex, right? Like, there is a lot of sex going on in this episode, but they save Marissa and checks for the very, very last scene, and it is like, it is hot. It's raunch like, town. The, I, I mean, I was getting quite titillated watching it. I was watching her watch it, and I was uncomfortable. I'll, yeah. I'll say that much. It's and, true. I finished the last three minutes while on with Dylan, and he, he kind of had to look away from the screen because, like, my eyes turned into big hearts, and, like, I kind of, like, was, licked was, my upper lip. Like, it got kind of awkward. She was looking at the screen like Volchek looks at Marissa. <laughs> breathing heavy like i will say that like in this i mean maybe this is i can i might edit this out but like i've been in this situation i've been in definitely one that i could think of a situation with a girl that is basically like marissa that is so traumatized by life and just like completely emotionally unavailable that will just like randomly text you on a random wednesday at 3 a.m and you just show up and the doors open and that's it right like i've met those so kind of people you are horned up like <laughs> but no it's just more depressing yeah. than anything like it's it's sad. And like, I saw that and I thought about that and I was like, damn, this is really sad and depressing to see her doing that. Well, it's just like you have a lot of emotions built up and it's just kind of like a physical manifestation of those that you're hoping helps release things. But then, you know, 15 minutes later after the other person goes home, it's like, oh, that really didn't make me feel better. It makes you feel worse. I mean, it literally yeah. is just you saying like, I have, I just don't want to be alone. So let me give the person, let me give somebody what I think will get them to come not be alone with me. Um, but yeah, but the, the save the, one of the best parts of that scene in this episode was the cover of Lover I Don't Have to Love by Betty Severe to shout out to her. Um, never heard any other song by her, but that song was played a bunch of times in this episode. And that's also one of the only Bright Eyes songs that I actually enjoy. Before we get too far away, 
or I suppose before we get too deep into sex montage and Kama Sutra stuff, I do have a shout out to uh, one of my favorite lines from the episode, and that is when they were at the diner, and the diner was referred to by Cousin as the culinary destination of Newport. I think she's being sarcastic, but you know what? I'm going to pretend that she wasn't. So you heard it here. Eat at the diner, the culinary destination of Newport. Okay, wait. I have two more things I want to say, but they are not tied to this. So if you want to finish this episode, we can come back to those. Um, Well, the only other thing that we need to cover is just adorable Taylor coaching... Seth and Summer on their sex lives. What did you guys think about this? I'm so glad that everyone's on the teabag train. Like, I love Taylor. Mm-hmm. She's been my favorite character on the show since I watched the show originally. Like, she's just fucking great. She's great. She tricks both of them. She tricks Seth by saying that there's an AB meeting, and she tricks Summer by saying that there's a prom meeting, and she even goes as far as to make a flyer for it. But really, it's flyer just to get invitation. them in a room with her so she can try to give them sexual coaching. Yeah. She teaches Seth a little bit of a Kama Sutra. I will say that, like... What is it about Taylor inserting herself into other people's issues and problems that we don't like about Ryan when he does the same thing? I think it's her, like... Charm? I think it's her exuberance. She's like a puppy. Like, it reminds me, you know, I got a new puppy in January, and everything we do with him, he's so excited about. Like, we get out a ball, and he acts like it's the greatest ball in the entire world, and we take him on a walk. And he is so pumped for a walk and like, we'll like let him into a room of the house that he doesn't go into anymore. And he'll like run and check out every single piece of furniture. Like it's the newest, coolest thing he's ever seen in his life. And you almost get that same energy from Taylor. I kind of get that. It's like Luke, like, you know, like a big golden retriever energy, but she's like tiny chihuahua energy. It's also the situations I think that she's inserting herself into, no pun intended for this specific episode, but... (laughs) I really think if you think about all the times Ryan inserts himself into a situation, mm-hmm. it's in like really heavy kind of not fun situations like that involve sometimes abuse and neglect and stuff like that. Whereas with Taylor, it's like, so you guys aren't boning? Well, guess what? My dad is a sex doctor. Here's what's going on. So I feel like it's like her situations are just inherently more fun that she inserts herself into. So it's a lot harder for me. Because a lot of times I put my my annoyance at the situation off on Ryan because since he's inserting himself into it, he's forcing me to watch him act in that situation. But with Taylor, it's like, oh, this is fun. What other cool stuff is she going to do now? Well, I do say I do feel like there is a there's like a certain vibe with Taylor where, you know, she wants to help you. She wants to be your friend. She's happy to do it with Ryan. It's always like he it's like a you might oh you owe him something now because he helped you and he's it's like putting him yeah. through it and he just has like it's a detriment to him to have to help you and that's no like he brings clouds to situations and she brings levity to situations she brings rainbows yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah she helps him with their sex life she gets it back on track so can i yeah, okay it's cute and then it, after they get done uh doing their thing uh it, it's really funny like i think at some one point Summer goes, I'll wheelbarrow you or something like that. That's sweet. Oh, that, that was a great scene whenever she tries to hit Seth and he grabs both her arms and it's like, oh, this is how it starts. I get it. It starts with yeah. fights. They have a fight. And, it, and you can feel the heat. Like, good for them. Um, I want to say there are two things that I wanted to bring up that you just said from the previous episode. One was that we, in this episode, Taylor talks about how her dad was a sex therapist. Did we not learn earlier this season that her dad was a owned a car dealership? Had a car dealership. But so does Luke's dad. Maybe her and Luke are like secret siblings. Oh, my God. Oh, that my God. That would have been incredible. Yes, Cannon. that's why they're so similar. Canon, oh Canon, Canon. Oh, my God. Canon. Chelsea. Yeah, <laughs> this is the 
this is why they could have gone. There's so much missed opportunity right now. No, two more things from the previous episode that I noted. Um, last week, we talked, Chelsea brought up the fact that Neil and Julie never kissed, and they, like, definitely kissed, bet, like, hard in that previous episode, so... Whatever reason they weren't kissing before, they definitely are now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Julie tells Marissa when they go to breakfast in the previous episode. I'm sorry to bring this up again. But in the previous episode, when Julie tells Marissa, hey, I've been seeing Dr. Roberts, she's like, we've been seeing each other for months. And I was like, has it been months in OC timeline that they've been seeing each other? It feels not like that long. I don't know. Gosh. Okay, the great. whole time. Moving I mean, that's on. why it feels like Sandy's been working with Matt for so long. And it feels like Marissa's been living in the trailer so long. The season's just dragging. That's why. Okay. Well, that's it for the, for that episode. Do we have anything else we want to say about either of these episodes? I got I got all my extra notes out. I can't believe. Yeah, I think I'm. I I think I got all I have to say done too. I have so much more I could say for hours, but I'm just withholding it. So Marissa and Gidget are hooking up. Ryan and Sadie seem like they're on a on, on a on the on a good path towards something. They're um, more than hooking up. Like Marissa and Vulture, that is some hot sex. That is emotionally unavailable sex. I think they even said that in, in the episode, that the more unavailable you are, the more you want each other. Oh, oh, I had one more note. Sorry, this is my last note, I promise. This is my last note from the previous episode. I, I should have brought these up before, and I didn't. But when I was asking about what are they doing to Johnny's house, I was like, because you, you brought, the, I thought about this whenever you brought up the diner, about how the diner is like the del, like the delicacy of Newport. I was like, I think that they probably just spent a lot of money on the set to build the set of Johnny's house. And they're like, well, we have to, just because he's dead, like we have to keep using it for something, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they're destroying it. But yeah, I just feel like they were like, let's just get some more episodes out of this thing we spent money on. I don't know if that, that's true. It's or not. a metaphor the for the OC as a whole this season. They spent yeah. so well, much time and energy building this house and now they're just destroying it. I think also <laughs> it would just be, I mean, I know, I mean, just for Sadie to go over to um, the Coens, that's so much like she is pursuing him. Whereas if Ryan goes and meets her at her domicile, then it's more like he's the one after her. So I think that that's what they were trying to depict. Uh, well, I think that's it for these episodes. We got anything else we want to say? We got it all out. I got I got all my shit out. Dylan, I Chelsea. got it out. And it definitely seems like Marissa and Volchek got it all out too. So good for them. Wow. Some nut harvesting. <laughs> Uh, well, if you want to harvest some nuts, you can get in touch with us online or via email, which are both online. I don't know why I said that twice, but on uh, Instagram, you can find us at Cohen's Pod, C-O-H-E-N-S-P-O-D. Shout out to that band. Love them. Um, you can find us, uh, you can email us if you want to reach us, Pod at gmail.com. Dylan, if they want to love us and if they want to harvest nuts in other ways, what else could they do? Well, if you would like to paint the ceilings of our hearts, the best way to do that is to leave us a rating or review. Um, We're stuck at 96 right now, and I think that I may have Mm. said to you all that my goal is by the time my sweet, sweet daughter Eloise arrives, that I can hold her up to the phone really close. She'll be an infant, so she won't understand. But I'll say, look look what your dad did. Look Look how many reviews your dad's podcast got. And then... Eloise will speak and say, no, it's Chelsea's podcast. And I'm like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. you spoke. <laughs> First words. Um, but please, rate us, review us. It's the best way you can help us. We still want to beat all those other OC podcasts. In my dream of dreams, we actually surpass the official OC podcast hosted by Summer and Julie. Um, it won't happen, but, you know, a guy can dream. I haven't listened to that show in a long time. I guess they're still 
going along. <laughs> They're still chugging. Um, the idea of you holding your phone up to your newborn daughter's face and making her stare at reviews just reminds me of Donald Trump staring at the sun, and that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, well, I think that that's it for us. We'll be back next week. We will be doing episodes 19 and 20. Is that right? Yep. Next week, episodes 19 and 20. Holy shit, guys. We're get- there is light at the end of the tunnel. It's I feel like we talked so long there. about how we're stuck. But we're making progress. Episode yeah. 20 coming up next week. Yeah, um, we, only so, yeah. Have a couple, we only have like three episodes left. Oh, my God. I mean, no offense to you guys, but thank God. Uh. <laughs> this is the only thing that sta- this is the only thing standing between me and like a newborn is just getting through this season. We got to get through it and we're doing it, mm. everyone. We're doing we're, it. We're making progress. All right. Uh, well, we'll see you next week for those for those two episodes. Uh, that's it. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.